This is PRN, your as-needed dose of medical knowledge. I'm Alana Castro-Gilliard. And I'm Chandler Davis. This podcast provides general information and discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. It is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice or the practice of medicine. The views expressed herein do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Adward via College of Osteopathic Medicine or any other institution or employer. Today's podcast, I get the chance to talk with Dr. McCarthy, a private practice direct primary care physician. This episode will be the first part of our discussion on private practice and how to determine if it is right for you. I hope you enjoy. Dr. McCarthy, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. I know this means a lot to me and I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today because there's many things that are not talked about in med school outside of patient care. And I think this is one of those subjects. So I want to first have you just introduce yourself and then just explain to the audience what your career entails. Yeah, sure. Glad to do it. And thanks for thanks for thinking of me. So for the VCOM specific audience, um, I graduated from VCOM in 2012 and knew from a pretty young age that I wanted to do family practice. So through my time at VCOM, I was planning on going into family practice. I did my re- residency here in Blacksburg and some in Richmond and some in Roanoke, if you count where all my sites were, but was able to stay local for that. And then opened my own practice in 2015. Our practice is called Direct Primary Care of Blacksburg. Um, we're right downtown on Main Street. You know, in answer to some of your questions that we're gonna get into, I guess, you know, my practice is fairly unique compared to um, a lot of um, more general family practice offices. So we'll talk some about direct primary care, I'm sure, but, but that's what I do. I grew up in the South. I grew up in just north of Athens, Georgia, so very similar to the Blacksburg area and have really loved this, this area. And um, my wife and I have a blueberry farm just over the hill in Newport. It's about 15 minutes from here. And we have three little kids and two dogs and lots of um, lots of drama from all those quarters. But yeah. Awesome. So yeah, I think you brought up a, a, a good point uh, that I failed to bring up earlier is that you have a direct primary care practice. And we can, like you said, we can go into that because I think that poses its own interesting uh, talking points outside of just private practice. Um, but in as much detail as you want to go into, could you kind of walk us through just a, a typical day here at your practice? Yeah. So, so again, the um, specifics of this are going to be uh, we're a direct primary care practice, if you're not familiar with that. Um, our patients uh, sign up. They're, they're essentially retainer um, patients. They pay us 75 bucks a month per person with some pretty big discounts for families and couples. And that gives them unlimited access to us. Um, our front lobby is a church pew and some magazines and a bell, and that's our receptionist. <laughs> you know, you ring the bell, you, um, one of the docs comes to the door. Our entire staff here is me, my partner, Dr. Leka Sherry, also VCOM grad from 2012, and our nurse practitioner, Gina uh, Angelina Levy. Um, and she, she does most of our women's health. But Soya and I each have panels of our own patients, and we'll see six to ten patients a day, which is very different from what most family doctors out there are seeing right now. Um, national average for a family practice is two to three thousand patients. You know, I have six hundred, and I'm capped. Um, that's still very busy the way we do medicine, but um, we we. Um, you know, we spend an hour with each patient if we need to. We do a lot of counseling. We just get to know people really well. Um, people see the same provider every time. We do a lot of telemedicine, a lot of text message medicine, which sounds ridiculous, but it's true. <laughs> so a given day, you know, I'll wake up, 
hit my schedule, you know, typically I'll be answering some emails or texts in the morning, kind of working out who's coming in. Um, we try to do same day appointments, so it's a very fluid lifestyle where I never know what I might be seeing next um, <laughs> or what I might be trying to work into to the day. I control my own schedule. So, you know, if a patient, and, and the beauty of this is, you know, I really do know my patients pretty well. So, you know, I see a name flash on across my phone. You know, I know how long it's going to take to see that person. I know they're probably going to ask me about this, this, and this. You know, I, I might know, oh, that patient, they're they're busy too, and they're really efficient. They'll be in and out. Or, no, that patient's really going to eat up a lot of time. Let's figure out where to put them on the schedule. So we've found that to be the most efficient. And then I usually get to the office 7.38, and, again, you know, half hour to hour appointments through the day. It can be very variable, you know, during flu season. And obviously this is a unique flu season. <laughs> this time of year, yeah, we're working hard. And, you know, most, about half my panel is kids. So, you know, we, you know, they're in here all the time with something. So this time of year is pretty busy. You know, school physicals late summer can be really busy, you know. But then the middle of the summer when everybody's on vacation, it gets really quiet. And we, we talk about pitching no hitters and, you know, at least several days a month, we'll have nobody come in to see us, you know, and those will be administrative days that we just kind of catch up. So I don't know if that gives you an idea. One other thing I'll add to that, I do a lot of house calls. So um, by using this model and having that full hour blocked per patient, if needed, you know, within reason, I can jump in my car and run around Blacksburg and see some of my little old people and it keeps them from getting out of the house. They absolutely adore that. Um <laughs> And it just it just makes it practical, you know. Similarly, if we have a family with four kids and they're all sick, the whole family's sick, we don't want them in the office either. We just go to their house. So, by being outside of that insurance model, outside of the system, and we can make medicine super practical. By being able to make medicine super practical, my life becomes more fun, you know, more more real. It's it's real medicine. So, yeah, I mean, you said it best. I think every day is kind of different for you, and that's part of what makes it really interesting. What do you think are some things that anyone that's interested in starting their practice or maybe wants to learn more, what do you think uh, are some things that they should know? Yeah, so, you know, if when, when you're in school, you don't have time to think about this stuff, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> um, you already took out the student loans, so, you know, <laughs> you can't take that back. Um, I would say if you... I'll back up just a little bit. So, you know, some of this is almost like a philosophical approach to what we want to see in medicine. You know, I think through the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s, we saw physicians sort of punt ownership of their practices to the bigger systems um, for good reasons. Medicine was getting complicated with insurance. It made sense to group together. Um, some of these docs made a lot of money selling their private practices into the system. You know, now down the road, we're seeing the um, the backlash of that, where we have lost control over the provider-patient relationship, and you know, my peers in family practice are seeing, you know, at least four people, maybe five people an hour, you know, twenty, thirty people a day, two, three thousand people on their panel. They are the rate-limiting step of the system making money. So if if I'm the primary care doctor. Nobody in that office is generating income except me, <laughs> um, and I become a cog in a machine, you know. And, and if I work for some of these systems, it's there's various levels of 
you know, where do you draw your lines? You know, are you comfortable with somebody showing up at your office, you know, several times a year, several times a month in some cases saying, how many referrals are you sending to our dermatologist? How many referrals are you sending to our, you know, imaging department? You know, you need to turn that up. You need to send more. We're scoring you based on how much money you're making for our system. And whether that's very explicit or not, it's ha- I mean, it's absolutely happened. And, and this is why primary care doctors especially are just burned out. They're like, you mean you can't pay me enough to, this isn't medicine, this isn't what I wanted to do, um, and are feeling very pinned by their student loans and, and these kind of things. So, I, you know, owning your own practice is, sure, it's an entrepreneurial move. It's a financial move. It requires a lot of planning and a little bit of bravery. And, and sure, people will do that for financial reasons. You know, I'll make more money if I do this. You might not, okay? But you'll have control over the physician-patient relationship. You know, you'll be able to practice medicine defensively, um, medicine that you can be proud of, making daily decisions, you know, going to bed knowing I did what was best for my patients. Um, your patients will see that immediately, you know, that everyone's frustrated with primary care and, and with our health system. So... And I think these are, you know, I want to encourage students to start thinking about this. You know, don't, you know, pass your boards first, right? <laughs> but keep this in the back of your mind, you know, like, how far am I willing to go to work for the system? Or how far, wh- what would I be willing to do on my own? You know, how could I do this on my own? How could, and, and that becomes, you know, part of our, our oath, right, is to say we're going to do what's best for our patients. And maybe that takes thinking outside the box for some of us. So, so yeah, I, I don't know if that's all of your question there. You know, what are some things we should know? I guess you said students should know if they're interested. Get a mentor. Find somebody that's doing this. Um, direct primary care is its own little, like, branch of this. Certainly you could open your own practice and take insurance. I can tell you it's very hard to do that. It requires a lot more overhead, you know. Evaluate yourself. Am I someone who could fire somebody? You know, do I want to be an employer? Yeah, that's stressful. That's hard. You know, how do I do financially? Am I going to manage my books myself or am I going to have to pay for this? You know, what's my family situation like? You know, is this going to add crazy stress to a young family like it's doing to mine? <laughs> or am I uniquely situated to take some risks? You know, so, um, and I think these are, these are, these aren't deal breakers. You know, we love where we are, but yeah, I'm not a really great manager kind of person. I'm a softy. I'm a pushover. I'm just like, you know, and um, I have very good people around me that help me with that, you know, but um, knowing your weaknesses for sure. Yeah. I think kind of piggybacking what you were saying, I think um, self-awareness really does play a, a huge role in figuring out if this is something that's right for you or if it's not right for you and you brought up a lot of the pros um, are there any other cons that you can think of that um, come off the top of your head I know I'm sure there's plenty and it depends on the type of person but if there's anything else that you want to bring up knowing what you're getting into is is key because um, I think a lot of med students are like you know I'm good at school yeah I know how to beat tests that's why I'm here um, you know you're gonna need a lot more skills than that and being, especially in primary care, you're a public figure in a lot of ways. You know, um, this coronavirus has placed me in a very public space. You know, being on the radio, sending out emails to the practice, our social media kind of things. 
you know, and taking criticism, you know, and how do I handle that? You know, I, I was talking to a friend who's an OBGYN. <laughs> They're like the most judged specialty ever, you know, how thick is your skin, you know? Yeah. Like, are you willing to say, no, I did, I did the right thing in that case? Um, are you willing to say, no, I did the wrong thing in that case, you know? And kind of, um, you, you're just under a lot more scru- scrutiny than a lot of professions you could be in, especially if you are saying, I'm gonna be in private practice, and my reputation is built on, I mean, my business is built on my reputation. Um, that can be very stressful for some people, you know. Some people are more ready for that, you know. Maybe they um, had a past career in something and, and are more comfortable with that. But I think a lot of med students are kind of like blindsided by that a little bit. You know, other cons, we are, I mean, some of these you've already embraced. You know, American healthcare, right? You're going into it. So um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a mess, you know. My goal with this model is to be part of the solution, but you know the the hardest thing you know when I when you own your own practice, you know if you know if we're not getting paid, we got to go track that down. You know if the hospital or if the independent lab doesn't send the lab results to me, well, guess what? I got to go find those, mm-hmm. and and you know the patient doesn't get them back until I find them. You know, so it's a lot of just those kind of small headaches where the buck ends up stopping with you because because you're doing it so um i would not call myself a strong i guess there's two different ways to use the word administrator but like um i feel like i have a lot of leadership skills i play a lot of sports you know i would say i'm a great public speaker but my organizational stuff around the office is not great you know my, <laughs> my email is always overrun with stuff that i should have unsubscribed to a million years ago you know and and that kind of thing you know waking up in the morning and looking at this pile of sticky notes and text messages and emails and faxes like that's the con to medicine right now okay fax machines <laughs> why why in the world do we still have fax machines um and that kind of stuff where it's just like man i'm pulling my hair out you know so yeah. that kind of thing. But I think it's important to note, and I'm sure you can vouch for it, where it doesn't matter all those cons. I mean, clearly the pros have outweighed those cons for you. How would you know if private practice is right for you? Like what, what kind of aspects of private practice um, would you be able to say that, okay, this person would be a good fit for it? Or, you know, that person might be better and happier signing a contract with a hospital or um, just kind of not having to worry about the the business side of things, um, but just has to show up to work and take care of their patients, so. Sure, you know, I think, you know, again, generally, I'd love to, uh, my bias here, I'd love to see more of us going back into, into ownership of our practices. And I mean that um, financially, but I mean that, again, sort of philosophically, you know, our, our generation of doctors is much quicker to look at a contract and say, well, how much am I going to be on call? You know, what's my lifestyle going to be than a generation or two ago? You know, and I think, sure, you got to set boundaries and you got to have, have your space. But I think taking ownership means these are my patients. You know, if they're in trouble, I want to know about it. You know, I don't want them punted off to some on-call blah, 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 blah they're my patients I want to know and I think I think that's what the patients want I think that's what the physician's mental health wants you know you want to feel like I'm taking care of people I'm doing a good job um and I think that's really really important I think you can do that and work for a company you know I I think you can work for one of the big 
hospital corporations and whatever they send you a paycheck and you meet their performance measures whatever they may be and yet you still work within that system to try to take ownership of your patients I think I think it's very hard nowadays to take ownership for your patients in that kind of system um, you're not gonna have much time with them they're not gonna have access to you um, but so that's kind of my bias is private practice for me um, I, I think you don't you need to you need to experience some of this stuff you know when I was 14 years old I started volunteering at the hospital I got a job as a CNA when I was 15. I was a monitor tech all through my undergrad. I knew a lot about medicine before I took the jump to go to, you know, I'd seen surgeries, I'd seen internal medicine. I, I knew what an internal medicine person was and I was like 18 years old, like who does that, you know? Um, I knew, you know, I'd seen deliveries, I'd seen how outpatient were. I just had an idea as I went into this, which put me, has to put you ahead of the curve, you know, for what you're getting into. So. I think it's hard to get shadowing opportunities, I know, um, but getting, seeing it, doing it is the only way you're going to know enough about it to say, yeah, I'd be really good at that. I mean, some of the things we've hit on personality-wise, am I, am I a risk taker? Am I, do I have leadership skills? Am I willing to lay up awake all night coming up with my value proposal or my value proposition for my business proposal, you know, whatever? You know, I'm already in debt. What debt would I have to go in to do this? Um, these kind of these kind of thoughts. And then, as, as important as you are, what is my support structure? Is my spouse or my family supportive of this? You know, do I have community around me? Do I have resources to reach out to? When we, you know, when we opened, I had fantastic mentors around me encouraging me to do this. You know, when we. When I had to sit down and crunch the finances, I have a friend who's very strong in business, and he'd come on. We'd sit at my kitchen table and we talk it through, you know, and my wife is very supportive of this. She's been a champ through some periods where she hasn't seen me a lot, you know, when it's been busy. Um, neither of us are big warriors, you know, we don't lay awake at night stressing too bad, um, but I can see that, you know, that would be a problem because we've taken some chances on things and, and it's paid off, but um, so know yourself, know your support structure, and then I and know what you're getting into as best you can. And with any decision, know if you can take it back. Um, you know, going into private practice is harder to take back than a contract with a company that has a two-year non-compete. Okay, you can take that back, you can work out your non-compete somewhere and you can start over. Um, if you go into practice, it folds, you're in debt, whatever, whatever, whatever. Now you're, you know, now you're, for, you're not at zero. You're, right. you're in the negative, so. Right. Th those kind of thoughts um, and I think you look at statistics on what people or what doctors the percentage of doctors that stay in their first first practice or first job out of residency is pretty stinking low um, so you look first off look at the percentage of people that practice within 30 minutes of where they did residency it's like most of us okay <laughs> so residency does matter that could be where you end up the rest of your life and then B that how many people stay in that first job it's not that high so you know looking at a residency that is in a place that has lots of options realizing i may need to try some of these options before i land on my feet um keeping your doors as wide open as possible and for those of you looking at primary care subspecialties you have so many more options than those of you looking at dermatology okay you got the, you got more eggs in one basket so one of the beauties of family practice is 
you could, you know, I could finish residency and do anything. I could do what I do. I could do inpatient medicine a lot of places around here. I could work in an ER most places. I could deliver babies. I could not deliver babies. I can work at the VA. I can do missions anywhere in the world. You know, I just have a lot of options, um, which is a comfort. Part two of this episode will be coming shortly. For more PRN, please be on the lookout. If you like this episode, tell someone about it and start up a conversation. I'm Alana Castro-Gilliard. I'm Chandler Davis. And this is PRN.